0: My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I'm always on the lookout for songs that resonate with my friends and listeners. And I know sometimes I joke, it's my podcast and I can feature any song I want, but I really do like harnessing the power of the song to point us back to scripture and the more powerful the song, the more likely we'll add it to our playlist and let it, let it point us back to scripture. And as always, if the song is full of scripture, all the better. So when a friend of mine heard the commission by Cain on the radio, and she said that she had to pull over to take in the beauty, I quickly added it to my list of potential songs. It is beautifully orchestrated and sung, but the words, they're all God's handiwork. I can't wait to dive into scripture to show you, but before we do that, let's listen. The title of the song gives away the areas of scripture we can explore. It's called the commission. And many of our Bibles have used the section heading to call it the great commission. And the great commission is given to by Jesus in Matthew 28, traditionally. But this song includes several references to things that Jesus said before ascending to heaven. And I want to explore all of that. But before we get to that, I want to point out here that section headings are not scripture. They are tools in our tool belt to find our way around the Bible. After all, the Bible is a series of books, 66 to be precise, and so a few helps like chapter and verse numbers and section headings. All of that makes it so that I can talk about it on the podcast and then you can find it in your own Bible. That might be a different translation or have different page numbers and all of that. But these are all man-made constructs to assist us in our study. So back to my first point, Jesus doesn't say, this is my great commission to you. That was a title given by Bible translators. I promise we're going to get to scripture and you know, that's what I care about the most, but I do want to stop here for a minute to chat about something. I just gave you a really good reason for Bible helps, like chapters and verses. And let's talk a little bit about how distracting those helps are for us. I often tell you that my desire is for you to discover and meditate on God's Word. I remind you that you can read the Bible for yourself. And I spend the majority of my time on this podcast trying to get you to know what the Bible actually says before you start worrying about what it means and how it should change you. So I uh, read the transcript of an interview recently where... Glenn Powell speaks to how these helps may actually distract us from the life-giving words God has preserved for us. He said something I couldn't say better myself, so I want to share it with you here. He said, we've really made it hard for people to just flat out read the Bible. And one of the things I contend in my book is we should be reading first and studying second and actually doing our study in the context of having read whole books because that's really what authors intended their central unit is not a verse. It's not a chapter. It's a book. Those are the central units the Bible is built on. And I think we should read holistically first and then do our study in the context of that reading. And I think the modern Bible reverses those things. Wow. I I agree wholeheartedly with Glenn. And that's why I ask you to follow the Bible Interaction Tool exercise of reading in context. And By the way, I called my Bible interaction tool exercises Bites for short, and reading in context, and read and keep on reading, and read larger chunks of scripture, or my famous exhortation to read the whole letter when we come to the epistles, the letters of the New Testament. These are all ways to try to accomplish something that Glenn is talking about here in his quote. Now the book he refers to is saving the Bible from ourselves, learning to read and live the Bible well. I'll link to that in the show notes and you can find those show notes at com forward slash 416 or conveniently in your inbox if you subscribe at my website com. I encourage you to go do that. Now, Glenn puts his money where his mouth is as a leader in the development of a series of readers' Bibles called the Immerse series. Now, this series removes the chapters, the verses, the section headings, the cross references, and commentary. It it actually reorders the text of Scripture a little bit differently to make better sense um, directionally. For example, he'll put Luke. They put Luke and Acts together, which makes sense because Luke wrote. Luke and Acts, kind of as a volume one and volume two of, uh, to the same person. So he's going to uh, kind of reorder things to make better sense, format the Bible like a novel to kind of enhance the reading experience, meaning it's going to have the same kind of paper feel. It's going to have the same length of, of, um, of words on the page, things like that. I'm enthralled with this. It's new to me. Many of you maybe have long known about this resource, but uh, I actually reached out to a Bible teacher or the Bible teacher at my daughter's Christian school, and he's a man that I deeply respect for his love of God's word and ability to rightly handle it. And he said he actually heard the two creators of the Immersed Resources in person at the Museum of the Bible when they were first rolling it out. And Dr. Melke, the Bible teacher I'm just telling you about, he said it's arguably one of the most profound developments in Bible study. He said that reading the Bible in context is one of the greatest tangible ways to combat the rampant trend of questioning and doubting and ultimately rejecting aspects of our Christian faith. That's a huge statement. But what is he saying? He's saying the power is in God's word, like the actual words what they actually say. God's word over words about God's word. I'm going to say that again. God's word over words about God's word. So what does God's word actually say as it relates to the Great Commission, if the words Great Commission aren't in there? So let's go to Matthew chapter 28 to find out. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Why would translators suggest a title like the Great Commission? Well, when you look up the word commission in the dictionary, you discover that it is the act of committing or entrusting a person or group with supervisory power or authority. It can also be an authoritative order, charge, or direction. Or it could be authority granted for a particular action or function. And finally, another option as uh, one of the definitions is a document granting such authority. Now, I'm here to tell you that all of that, or at least aspects of all of those definitions, are included in this scripture and in our song. So first, let's link scripture to the definition of the word commission or the idea of commission itself. And then we're going to head back over to our song because it's going to be a really important tool for us this week. Did Jesus entrust a group with supervisory power or authority? So our verses say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's what Jesus said. Go therefore. So who has the authority? Jesus. Did he say he's giving it to us? No, not specifically. He actually wants us to walk in his authority. We are to act not with a past authority, um, as in I'm giving it up, but in the authority that remains with Jesus. So any authority that we have is in the name of Jesus. And because of his spirit that lives in us, he fulfills the promise to be with us always. But what about supervisory power? So I immediately thought of God's original plan in Genesis chapter 1. You know, God made man in his image to walk in dominion over creation. And we have been made new in Christ to walk in his authority over the lost world around us. And in the renewal and restoration plan of God, what he originally intended is being played out when we obey this great commission. Now, a commission can also be an authoritative order, charge, or direction. And we see here in our scripture, uh, we see that, don't we? We see in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We have previous teachings and commands of Jesus that are recorded in the Gospels. Um, All these texts leading up to this moment, (laughs) followers of Christ are to observe all of those commands and teachings and pass them on to future disciples that we make from all over the world. That is a charge. Make disciples by teaching them to observe God's word. It's an order. <laughs> Go, therefore. Go, make, baptized, teach. We have our direction. We don't need to wonder what we should be teaching these new disciples. We're not necessarily teaching them doctrine and theology for the sake of such things, but that their lives would be an obvious picture of implementation And part of the authoritative order or charge or direction is to then baptize these new disciples. This is an external representation of an inward change. One of the first ways a new disciple bears witness to their new life in Christ. And then our next definition, authority granted for a particular action or function. Again, our song simplifies it. Go tell the world about me. But the the scripture clearly declares exactly what action and function these disciples were to take. And therefore, by example, what future disciples should take. So we we weren't there on the mountain with them, but by example, we should, again, still follow this commission. We just unpacked it, but it's really worth saying again, go, make disciples, and then baptize these disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to observe all that Jesus commanded, Jesus in the Gospels, and Jesus as God from the foundation of the world. I think all scripture is implied here. And then, I just want to challenge you a little bit. Look back on your week. Have you done any of that? I mean, if you're a parent, uh, you have built-in disciples. Have you discipled them? Have you taught them um, some of the things that Jesus has taught? Where else could you do that? Uh, With friends? In your church setting? In your community? I'm not sure what to teach others because you don't feel well-versed enough. That's valid, right? Here's some encouragement in red letters from the lips of our Savior. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. He is with us. And then back to feeling not equipped. I have two things to say about that. First, let that fuel your desire to read God's word for yourself. I realize that there will be things you don't understand. But there's so much in there that you will. That, that, that is simple enough for you to understand even on first blush. You just start with the stuff you understand first. And then second, the seed you received sow into the lives of others. What do I mean by that? Well, if you learn something today, like on this podcast, follow the bite of sharing with a friend. When you, go to on church, when you go to church on Sunday and you gather with the bride of Christ and receive teaching and truth, sow that truth into someone else. You don't need a podcast or a platform to sow the seed that has been sown into you. And it can be as simple as just a general conversation. You don't have to have like a whole three-point sermon or anything like that. Now the final aspect of the definition of the word commission is a document granting such authority. And while Jesus didn't pass on a scroll sealed, you know, with the signet ring of the king, he he did ensure that the words of God would be preserved in what we read as the Bible today. It is a written text. It is a document that can and and should be read and that we should read. And the seal, well, that's the Holy Spirit. Just listen to how Paul describes the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It says in him in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So from all aspects of the definition of the word commission, I agree with the Bible translators. It's not only a commission, but it is a great commission. It is the great commission on our lives as followers of Christ. But I want to head back over to the song right now. And I don't normally do this. I don't normally take the approach of breaking down the song because it's really less about the song and more about the scripture. But there are so many references to scriptural truth in each lyric I want you to know about all the thing that all the things that this song sings about. I want you to go and read it from scripture yourself so that you can really soak in that those areas of scripture. And so let's start from the beginning of the song. Now, I always link to a video of the song each week on my website so you can head over there to hear a complete rendition of the song. But here's how the lyrics start out. They say, "See my hands and look at my feet. It's okay if it's hard to believe." Now, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he appeared to his disciples a lot. You can read all about it at all four gospels in the beginning of, of the book of Acts. But in our focus verses in Matthew chapter 28, if you read those in context by reading all of Matthew chapter 28, or even better, if you back up to Matthew 26 and read even more context. Reading in context, by the way, is my favorite bite, and it will help you read more of Scripture but in the verses we've already examined we see in verse 17 it says and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted this idea is featured in the lyrics of our song when it when when they sing it's okay if it's hard to believe now we read the last chapter of mark mark chapter 16 we actually see Jesus rebuke the disciples because it was so hard for them to believe so more on that in a minute i'm I understand what the lyricists are saying. It's it's They're trying to um, really remind us of the humanity of Christ and how difficult this goodbye probably is for him and the disciples, even though he has a greater perspective. But um, I think that there's proof in Scripture that it's not. It's okay if it's hard to believe, but it's not okay that it's hard to believe. If, if you can, you go read it for yourself. I love how Mark 16, uh, 15 phrases of the Great Commission, though. It says... Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And doesn't that remind you of that stewardship of creation in Genesis chapter 1 again? All right, so that's Mark's. So we looked at Matthew. We've looked at Mark. John chapter 20 shows us that Jesus showed his hands and feet to the disciples in verse 20. Uh, let's actually start at verse 19. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. We get a deeper glimpse at the rebuke that Mark mentioned in verse 29 by studying John chapter 20. This The rebuke is, itself is in direct response to Thomas transi- transitioning from doubt to belief. Uh, he, he's, he's known as Doubting Thomas. He did get the same experience as his buddies a few verses before because he wasn't in the room in verse 20 when Jesus showed them his hands and his side. When you read it for yourself, you'll discover, though, that he really wanted that experience and and he got his wish to have the same experience as his fellow disciples. Um, but this is Jesus' rebuke to him. And you'll see that Jesus has us on his mind when he says it. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In fact, in case we miss the point, John goes on to say in verse 30, Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, that's not the end of John. There's a whole other chapter after that where Jesus appears to his disciples and does some healing work in the life of Peter. All of it's super cool. I can't wait for you to read it. I suppose that will work best if you back up to John 18 and then read through the end. So that would be a a really good way to read that area of Scripture in context. Now, in Luke 24, we see Jesus appearing to his disciples. And the way Luke records Jesus' commission to his disciples leads us straight to his second book, the book of Acts. And I like reading, again, Luke and Acts together because they were both written for Theophilus by Luke. But Luke chapter 24 verse 46 says, And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, I'd I'd love for you to read the whole chapter, but we read, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, I know I'm going to go a little bit long today. It's going to be worth it (laughs) because you'll know exactly where to go this week to harness the power of this song. So let's take the next phrase in the first verse. It says, I have faith that you will do greater things. It's my time to go. But before I leave, and then it goes into the chorus, go tell the world about me. So you can read Jesus's comment to his disciples at the Last Supper in John chapter 14. He talks all about having to leave and the details of all of that. His disciples are confused, of course, but it really is beautiful and caring how he continues to disciple them through the confusion until their experience catches up with his teaching. But where do we get the greater things idea uh, that you will do greater things? Well, verse 12 says, truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the father. So Jesus goes on to share about the promise of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're not going to do greater things because we're greater, but because we have the very presence of God going with us to fulfill the commission Jesus gives us before ascending to heaven the commission that we've been studying today. So John 14 is going to give you all the food for thought to take care of that lyric. So go read John 14 as well. Now the chorus, of course, speaks directly to the Great Commission, but it's even greater, greater than, than the lyrics imply. It's it's more than just telling the world, as I've mentioned before. It's discipling the world and What a great stewardship we've been given. Um, The chorus, though, has a little bit more to it. It says, go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while, but goodbye is not the end. The whole baptizing new disciples in the Great Commission is a direct representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior and the death, burial, and resurrection of our sin man as we become new believers, as we become born again. And the Commission, as Luke has recorded it, really highlights this lyric in our chorus and I had mentioned that earlier. Leaving for a little while and goodbye is not the end. This is just a poignant way to say this. Acts chapter 1 shows angels telling the disciples who are left staring up into the sky after Jesus ascends to heaven, They basically the angels are like, don't worry, he's going to come back the same way you saw him go. And of course, we realize that in between that moment and his second return, we are to be about the business of sharing the gospel message and making disciples, making active followers of Christ. But goodbye is not the end. In fact, it was just the beginning of the part of the story that God is continuing to write through my life and your life as we walk in obedience. Now, next, our lyrics say, don't forget the things that I taught you. And that idea is included in our commission. Go ahead and teach the things he taught us. Uh, I've conquered death and I hold the keys. That idea is revealed in Revelation 118, where it says, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Uh, I'm going to link to an article that might help you unpack that a little bit in the show notes. Where I go, you will go to someday, our lyrics say. And you again see that in John chapter 14. In partial, verse 3 teaches in the words of Jesus, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. What a beautiful idea and promise. There's so much to do here before you leave, the lyrics say. You know, Jesus lived and taught in a very centralized area of the world, but his plan all along is for his people, his new creation, to spread the gospel to all nations. So much to do. <laughs> now go, right? So that's what he's saying. And finally, the bridge of the song says, Goodbye is not the end of the journey, the end of the road. My spirit is with you wherever you go. That's in the Great Commission, elsewhere in scriptures, two. Uh, You have a purpose. Again, our purpose is to make disciples, and I have a plan. His plan was to leave us with the Holy Spirit, the power to be able to do the thing that he's asked us to do. I'll make you this promise. I'll come back again. (laughs) Come, Lord Jesus. But until then, go tell the world about me. So thanks for hanging in there with me. Uh, What's next for you? As you want to explore scripture as it relates to this song, I hope I've given you ample inspiration to go and explore at least the end of all four Gospels and maybe the beginning of Acts as we consider what Jesus's parting instructions were to his disciples and ultimately to all of his current disciples walking the earth today, because the commission wasn't just To those guys. It was initially, but it's to us as well. Sneak in John chapter 14. That'll kind of fill in the blanks for you. Peek on over at Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. And then you'll have a scripture to explore for every lyric of this song. And then go ahead and add the commission by Cain to your playlist. And then rehearse the truths that you study this week as you sing along with the song. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. You email me at Michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at Michelle Nizat or Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts in the in the network and Christian Music Resources, at newreleasetoday.com. Now, I would be honored if you would subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website at michelleknizette.com, then I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes, with all the scriptures I use, the links to resources I use in my personal study, and all of that. Now, my featured free resource this week is my 30-day music challenge, which is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. Now, I walk you through it with one-minute videos each day, it's free. Just head over to com forward slash 30 day challenge. The number 30 day challenge to take the challenge. Change your music, change your life. Now with that, I want to thank all my new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Jan from British Columbia, Canada, Debbie from Alabama, Regina from Florida, Elaine from Texas, Andrea from Louisiana, Bobby from Louisiana, and Sarah Jane from New Zealand. Welcome. Now, again, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michelleknizette.com, through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And you can leave a review by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using My God is Still the Same by Sanctus Real. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michelleknizat.com forward slash 416. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.